Once upon a time, way back when there were only 9,000 Arsenal podcasts, six young men from various backgrounds. A young basketball prodigy with more trophies in the last 20 years than Tottenham Hotspur. An Irish kid with a horrible haircut. A young Jewish nerd who hadn't discovered food yet. A child from Hemel Hempstead who didn't want to be English no more. A handsome young man who learned to play football on the hard streets of Disney World. And a young Mexican AC Milan fan. Hatched a plan to take over the world of Arsenal podcasts. But then these boys became men. Jared. Ewan. Magic. Aston. Andy, and Miguel, and the rest, my friends, is history. And now, all these years later, you tune in every so often to hear their incredible takes, their football knowledge, and their sensual advice. But now, it's gone too far. You, our fans, are at long last witness to season seven 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 welcome to the gooners I think that's all we can use because of the, uh, <laughs> the, the copyright. And okay. we're sued. Yeah, and this is our last show. Dude, I'm going to be down with Mike in like a week. And I'm going to sit down with him and have a heart-to-heart on his intros. And they're done. Like, we got we to gotta rein this shit back in. I listen, at least you get to talk to him about intros. I'm not even on the outro yet, and we had a whole black history month to add me. The fact that he didn't do it last month is bullshit. And um I will talk to him about that. But uh he's just he's you know he's, he's you just the worst. And it's funny, by the way, welcome to the TGP podcast, everybody. Oh, um yes. nice to see you. I already see you in the um in the comments there, Dimsec. And as you can imagine, I am not potting with Magic Mike today, which is exactly why we are on time. What's going on, Andy? This is our my final combination. I've done a I've done a two person show with every single per, um, person on the pod, but you. And now we're. I here. find that hard. I find that hard to believe that hers did a podcast. He did, and before it, you. It's been, it, yeah, no, that's it's it's been a while. Um, I'm Magic or Mike. Uh, I don't even know if that's how you spell magicer, but um, yeah, man, it's been it's been too long. How have you been? We've been really good. It just had this Andy sized hole in my heart for the longest time. You know, no big deal. Um, no, but well, seriously, it's been it. it's been wonderful. I I think this is uh ha- we're we're more than halfway through the season now, and this is my first season on the podcast. It's been, I, I, I thank you guys so much for welcoming me on the show. I know deep down inside, we all knew, no, it was your idea to bring me on. And it just so happens that the year that you make the biggest signing of your life that Arsenal go on to win the league, coincidence? I think not. No, and, and if you even like d- deep 
dive it further. I mean, who was the person at the preseason camp getting mm. these guys ready for this incredible run? Um, mm. I mean, it wasn't Mike, you know, hands up. If you got two hands, <laughs> who was it? <laughs> no, dude, it's uh, I remember back like a few months ago before. What, how long have you been on now? Like it's been a few months, right? It was the summer. Yeah, yeah I've been you on since like a, the beginning of this season. Yeah, you did like a call-in show with Mike, and I was listening to it driving. And Mike is Mike, right? You get what you get with him, but you were like engaging and asking follow-up questions, and Mike was kind of like hovering around, like keeping things flowing. And I just texted him, being like, "Dude, this kid's a natural. We got to get him on." And then Mike r- responded with. I mean, he's best friends with Odegaard now, you know, <laughs> we got, we got to get this guy, but no, it's it, dude, what a season, like to have you as season seven, we're growing this thing. It's funny. A friend just texted me. He's like, you're never on the pod anymore. Every time I listen, it's someone else. I'm like, you got to grow to grow baby. And that's what we're doing. And Mike and I have always said, like, we've tried to add people in and they've just not been the right culture fits. And then Owen came along Jared, God knows, I don't even remember how we found Jared. I think it was Craigslist. Mm-hmm. And then hers has always been around. He was like our first listener. So, and then, yeah, it's, it, dude, it's fantastic. Jared, of course, doing questionable things to pay the bills for the longest time. I know that he's been slinging the D on the, on the side. Wait, never mind. That's not what we talk about here. Uh, no, that's for the that private up. tax. That's private tax group. But yeah, it's been it's been a it's been a wonderful ride, and it's been just as good a ride, uh, a season for Arsenal. You know what I mean? And and going into this game, by the way, we have the chance to finally play our game in hand. Uh, you know, get points on the boards, get five points ahead of City. But before we get into any of that, as is tradition, and I, I know you haven't been here around for this new tradition that I do, audience, Arsenal played a game of football yesterday, and you know what that means. you love it when we don't when we can't stop winning right cannot stop winning did you see that meme of the black guy crying i i mean there's several but which which one so it says all arsenal fans right now and then it's got like this black guy is just like crying into his phone and there's tears coming down his cheeks and then like after about five or six seconds he just turns to the camera and he's like i can't stop winning and then the video (laughs) ends And I've been said that by a couple people through Instagram. I'm like, that's good. You know, you know, I, I've been loving the memes this season. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't have enough time to get meme of the week for, for this week. But I they've just the Arsenal uh, fan group is just the funniest fan group of all. I mean, maybe it's be maybe it's all the years of suffering because comedies comes from pain. And uh, it, it's made us really, really able to you know, take the mick out of things every now and then. But speaking of, we have a fantastic energy and we're talking about, obviously we did what we did yesterday, but going into the game, I don't know if I have that same energy. I mean, Everton had just beaten us at Goodison Park. We know what dice ball is. And we know that the teams that have been the most effective at getting at us have been those teams that are just really hard to break down. What were your feelings going into the Everton game yesterday? The same as every game we go into, this is when it starts. And by that, I mean the like torpedo plane crash of a season. Um, <laughs> no better way to do it than Everton and Dice, as you mentioned. 
Um, I'm still under the assumption that we won't win the league, you know, uh, to quote the other funny video of the guy talking to his wife, who's like, basically like, no, we, we don't want to be in first. We want to be in second and then we'll win the league from there. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, uh, I, I, I just, I don't know why I going into the match at the same way. Like, you know, I assume we're going to win just because of the form we're in, but playing a dice side is always difficult. And then the first 30 minutes were just nerve wracking, but I just assumed it was going to be a draw, right? I thought, okay, this is where we're going to, the banana skin. And then you look at like the fixtures behind this one and you're like, okay, there's actually some really fair fixtures coming our way. This three points is probably the most important of the season. We don't have to beat Man City. That's not a cup final. We just need to beat the other teams, right? And I'm like, this is our cup final, these three points, because it gives us now that this is our five point lead, right? We don't ever have that game in hand going forward. Um, so I was nervous. And it's really interesting when you think about it, because like at the beginning of the season, the two things that you would have said were the things that can derail Arsenal the most. Well, you could be missing uh, Gabriel Jesus, who's been incredibly influential at the top end of the pitch. And then in the middle of the pitch, the guy that's probably most responsible for our style of play has been Thomas Partey. And we've managed without them. Uh, there's not been a single minute of Gabriel Jesus since the World Cup. We've missed Thomas Partey for several games um, between the end of the World Cup and now. And yet, and yet, we still remain five points clear. And what does that say about the, the team we have and 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 the spirit? And, the, and, and it's not just down to one player. There's not just one guy that's the guy there's not just one way of winning anymore for arsenal it seems that we're almost like a swiss army knife of a team which is what you need right when you're going to go on a cup run like city for example relied on holland for so much of the beginning of their season by the way fuck them by the way and then now it's like you need other players to pop up and like we have this crazy like hey we don't have our out and out striker who's injured so we've got three or four other players who are just kind of slotting in. And then last week, the King puts Trossard up front, which, you know, on paper, if you look at it, you're like, okay, I could see him playing there. But then with the efficiency and the effectiveness of him and Martinelli, who just like switch all the time. And there's just like, Hey, we're going to throw two men on Sokka. Okay. Well now you got to deal with these other three guys with the ball. And Odegaard is just an absolute magician. And so like, Swiss Army Knife is right, but you need that across your entire team. You need that going into various matches. And, like, you know, the the debate this week rained on Zinchenko versus KT. You got to find a space for them both to play. Mm -hmm. Is KT going to be Zinchenko 2.0? Absolutely not. But can he come on in the 70th minute and create, like, opportunities for rest and different dynamics on the pitch? 100%. (laughs) I love I love this. The biggest test for the team will be the spooning with Magic Mike. And, you know, that's the sentiment that's been going out through the entire season. Every single week, there's a new test that the pundits want to use to try to deny Arsenal's greatness. Because let's face it, they're terrified of us. Nobody wants us to win their, this league because they will have to eat so much crow for all of the banter that they've given us over the last 10 years. I mean, can you imagine that we win the league before United do and, um, since they've replaced Alex Ferguson it just the 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 fear that is going through everyone else is is palpable 
But it's also a little telling with us as well. During the game, and as you were mentioning, the first 40 minutes or so, we had Everton. Uh, Sean Dyche likes to do this big uh, – he likes to put five across the middle, right, and just make sure you can't get past it. And it worked for long periods of that game. I, I, I think that uh, it was a little telling how frustrated even the uh, crowd was getting in the beginning, yeah? Yeah, but – I feel like every football fan, to your point, expects that with a dice tactic, right? Where unless you can score in the first three minutes and completely derail everything that they've they've said in, in like all of his sides, 25, 30 minutes, they're going to be locked down and you're going to just have to keep knocking at the door. So for me, like I kind of expected that, you, you know, um, I remember I text my cousin who's a diehard Everton supporter. And I said, are you ready for the defensive shittiest tactics? Hope you <laughs> score on the corner. And he's like, it's going to be awful, but for Daesh, it works. And so we, yeah, it was really slow opening for us. And a couple of those counter attacks, I was like, Oh shit, here we go. Like they nick that one, no goal. And then it's full lockdown. But we had some luck. We had some great defending. And yeah, I mean, I think we acknowledged his tactics and just, I'm sure Mikel said to the team, just keep pressuring and it will come. Yeah. And, you know, big up, I, I want to give him his credit. Um, I, I hate the language that has been used about him. Even in the beginning of the season, some people saying that he has a quote unquote bozo gene. Gabrielle Magladesh, or as I like to call him, Big Gabby has no bozo gene. He is, in my opinion, the best center back in the league. And he's been showing it time and time again. I mean, think about this. In the entire history of them having uh, the stat XG, Leicester City last week has the lowest XG ever recorded again in a professional yeah. match. And that has to be largely down to him. And again, once again, in this game in Everton, he shuts them down. But, you know, it was just that type of game until... 40 minutes in, I, I don't even know how to describe it. Our left back, Zinchenko, dribbles through the middle of the pitch, going towards the right, where Martinelli, who has switched with Leandro Trussard, is drifting uh, towards the right wing from the striker position, passes it to Martinelli, passes it to Ben White, back to Zinchenko, and because of that, just for the smallest second, Bakayo Saka finds a bit of space that he hadn't been able to find all game. And he just needs that one moment. What a beautiful turn. What a beautiful shot with his weaker foot. And this boy, this man is becoming Arsenal's talisman. Did you know that a strike has power on it when the moment it hits the grass, it just stops moving. I mean, that literally hit two nets and then just sat still. Right. <laughs> but like to your point with Zinchenko, I, I rewatched that a couple times because my son's now old enough where like we talk a little bit about like the tactical movement of players mm -hmm. and Zinchenko making that run across the middle of the pitch is essentially pushing Everton all into soccer. Right. Mm. And what does that do? It creates soccer, the opportunity to look up and either a take the shot, which he did or B try and find someone open at the week at the far post you see city do that a lot they pressure all to one side to create a weakness at the back post or on top of the box and then they immediately switch the play and then you're catching a lot of people out of position but for me when i saw soccer do that i thought oh shit he took it a little too far to the end line and then all of a sudden a moment of genius and like that's what we're seeing from this kid and like 
you don't need him to be a Thierry Henry or Holland where he's going to score three matches a week or three goals a week across two matches. You're going to get moments of brilliance from the kid right now. And then he'll just continue to grow. But the fact that Everton put what two players on him immediately. And he was just like, whatever brushed him off and took that shot. Like if you're Pickford as a goalie, you're thinking I just fucked up. But then when you watch that back, I don't know that any goalie, maybe Neuer would get a hand on that. That was just insane. And if you get your hand on it, your fingertips are going to get blown off. I mean, the amount of power he's able to generate in such a small space is really incredible. And it's just like this thing he's starting to gain. And we've said this every season and, and it's scary because we do this every season. First it was okay. Find your feet. Make sure you're making the right decisions all the time. After he started just making the right decision every single time, it was, okay, now you need to add some goals and assists. Okay, now we're doing that. And then it was, okay, now you need to win the game on your own. You need to be able – you need to be the guy. And he's doing that now too. There is – he's only 21. He's got – you know, sometimes we underplay. We're like, oh, he's not a Holland. Oh, he's not an Mbappe. But he's got – 21 goals and assists this season. He's the most prolific uh, 21 and under player right now. And on top, and on top of that, he, we are contracted to three of the other ones. You know what I mean? And Florian yeah. Balogun and and Gabriel Martinelli. I mean, how did this happen? And how can we keep this up? You know. You know what's crazy to me is like heading into the France England game. Uh, there was a lot of questions being asked, like, Saka, are you the next Mbappe? Which kind of seems ridiculous because they're so close in age, but they're such different players, right? And as a football fan and as a lover of, like, England and as well as, like, Arsenal players, I thought that's a little extreme comparing those two players because the resume of Mbappe is so different. Granted, he's playing in one of the worst leagues in the world when it comes to actual overall competition. Right. If you put Sokka in the French league, his numbers are probably a little bit more built up and like on Mm. steroids. But it wasn't until after the game when the French manager said, why did they take him off? He was single handedly destroying our team. And like not that, you know, we've all known Sokka has this. But you think about at that moment in his career being the biggest game of his career and the biggest game of England's like last 60 years he was the guy everyone on that team said, just get him the ball and he'll take it. And like, we don't need consistent like moments of brilliance from Sokka. We need those little pieces like yesterday that energized a team that went from being kind of on the ropes for 35 minutes to we now them have them on the ropes and that's our moment of magic. Let's just go fucking take them. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, if you're a defender, think how like, okay, we've got a game plan. We're going to double up him. We're going to take him out of the game. And then he does that. And you just think, I can't. He reminds me of like, you know, when you said his power and pace, it's kind of like Ronaldo, right? Where he generates so much power on a shot from nothing. And there's nothing anyone can do. Like the keeper can put a hand on it, but it's bending you backwards. Like it's it's insane. Literally kick that ball into another dimension. And what's so interesting about Saka is, what what I'm starting to see more um, than I than I think that I saw before. Before I saw a kid that was enjoying his football and was and, and saw every game as a chance to play on the playground. 
Now I'm seeing hunger. He doesn't just want to play football. He wants to win and he wants to be the guy. And that was evident in goal number two guy. Uh, was it gay that was just sitting there um, like daydreaming? And I have no idea what was going on. I think he thinks that the foul on Odegaard is going to get called. Yes. And so he's just kind of walking. And Saka is just, you can see it. He, his eyes literally never leave the ball and he hunts it down. Um, moment of moment of madness, Martinelli gets in and there you go, a goal number two. And from a game that was incredibly tight, from a game that was incredibly, you know, uh, they, they seem to be doing all the right things to maybe earn themselves a point in the game within three minutes, two goals down. And it reminds me of one of my favorite bits of commentary from one of my favorite Arsenal games to go and rewatch from the Invincible season. Do you remember the Leeds game, uh, Henri scoring four four goals? If you Mm -hmm. remember in that game, in the beginning, honestly, Leeds were kind of outplaying us. It it wasn't the, you know, we all remember how electrifying Henri was, but for the beginning of that game, even the um, announcers are like, wow, I'm surprised that Leeds are out of this so quickly because, as you said, it just takes a moment and Starboy blows teams away and Arsenal take your breath away. It's one of my favorite bits of commentary of all time. It's serious. It was incredible. Like I was watching that with Mike and um, Tom Canton and uh, what? Shut up. It's my Siri just went off. What is happening? Um, I was watching the game with Mike and, and Canton and we thought the same thing. We're like, why did he stop playing? And then we're like, oh, then it's either they call the back or offside. You feel bad for the kid because you're like, you stop playing, but it's the old adage of play to the whistle, right? And like like you said, the hunger of Saka and Martinelli to go like, nope, we're hunting that. And that's, to me, Aston, that's more of a mentality, an overall mentality of the team don't take minutes or seconds off you hunt for every single scenario because this is in our hands right they knew that this this three points is what catapults us to being the title favorites whether or not we win it or not who cares right that that that's the mentality keep going so let me ask you something right the the goal goes in you immediately thought it was offside, right? Hundred percent. Yep. Like I, I immediately, I'm like, this is. There's no way this is offside. But it was funny because I'm sitting there in the bar. We're all drinking, and we're just like, <laughs> are they going to draw the lines for this one? And we're all laughing. But then they draw the lines, and we're like, wait, what? <laughs> you know, yeah. I couldn't believe what was happening. VAR went in our favor for once. Well, you know, it's funny because like I thought it was offside, and I turned, and then Canton's like, "Hold on a second, they're both behind the ball. It can't be offside." And I'm like, "Shit, you're right." So, like, line or no line, the ball obviously was half of a ball in front of them. So you're just like, you know, but it's it's so funny now. Whenever VAR happens, I'm like, "We're just gonna get fucked. Like, it's not gonna go our way." Yeah, it, it, in but you know, every now and then, every dog has his day. A broken clock is right twice twice a day, right? So so here's the thing, right? And and what I think is really important going into this second half. Can I just stop you for a second and just can we read Bulgarian Gunnar's message here saying, I'm glad we finally listened to the real brains of the operation of the Gunnar's pod. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, sorry. Continues. My bad. I I think they were very well. They're very well aware of all the work that gets done in the background. Um, (laughs) The, uh, so I was saying, so going into the second half, I think 
something that was incredibly important is you have to be realizing had those two goals not gone in, you'd expect Mikel Arteta to absolutely rip into them. And what I think was really important was I still think he did that, but what our team showed was we don't need Arteta to solve our problems for us. We don't need Arteta to sit down and break down what we need to do, which we've seen plenty. I, don't, I can't tell you how many times have we gone in in halftime and come out a completely different team, tactically tweaked or whatever, noticing these little gaps. And instead, this time it was Alex Zinchenko playing wherever he wants. The movement, they, they all decided, hey, listen, we're being too rigid. It wasn't Arteta. It was, it was the players on the pitch. And if that doesn't become emblematic of the idea that they are just soaking in Arteta ball, they are living for the manager in a way that we haven't really seen since Wenger. I've not seen players so bought into a, a mantra, a, 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 a way of being, a way of even living. I mean, you hear them talk about how they exist off the pitch as well, what they choose to do with their time, how they all hang out with each other. This team is the real deal, and we're two points up on the Invincibles right now. It took 25 minutes, and someone finally noticed. <laughs> hey, Dublin, you just got to be in the inner circle, my brother. Um, Can we send him a prize now? I think now you have to send him that shirt. <laughs> uh, no, no I'm Not clean, by the way. Like, like just Ziploc bags, sweat and all, just... You know, like OnlyFans style. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, by the way, the Gooners podcast OnlyFans coming soon. Yeah. Uh, we should do that, just like when we were on uh, U Porn. Uh, <laughs> did you did you ever hear we were on U Porn? Uh, yeah, or Pornhub. I thought Pornhub, and I I gave the idea to Mike who ran with it. But then when you load up a video, it asks you to then like categorize where the video should go. And since it was just the two of us, he put two men, <laughs> so it went on to gay <laughs> Pornhub. And then the best comment was someone watched it and just wrote, "Why is this here?" Um, so yeah, fantastic. You know, the buy-in from the team is obviously why we're playing so well and while why we have a five point lead and we're consistently like you can maybe point to the man city game as being the only minutes aside from another 30 across the season where we haven't deserved to be in front or leading a in a match. Right. But I want to point out something like the party for Giorgino, uh, uh, substitution. Yeah, what you make of that? I think it was a tactical, but I also think it was like a, Hey, we have a lot of fixtures coming up in a short amount of time, but to Jorginho's credit, that is the ideal player who's bought into the tactics of coming into the club saying, I get it. You wanted me for 45 minutes. I'm subbing off. Now, whether or not he had like a niggle, who knows, right? But for the most part, that's what you need as a buy-in is players to go, I get it, right? And Kedia making a move to the bench. I'm sure he had a conversation like things aren't going well for you right now. We'll get you minutes, but we're going to rotate around and just get some other things rocking and rolling. Players have to buy into that. Right. I can only think the only other player we'd have in the squad who would be okay with that would be like El Nini. You couldn't do that with a lot of players within the league. Like, hey, you're subbing me off 45 minutes when we're 2 0 up. What the hell? Like, that is Arteta saying to these players, just trust me. Like, you're going to get the minutes, but we got to spread it out. And honestly, I think it was for Partey to come on, get his, get his legs warm. I always disagree with bringing on injured players for 20 minutes. I don't think that's enough time. 
45 minutes with him was perfect. And we are heading into a very congested season, you know, now with Europa League being thrown in. And so we're going to have these short days and, and lo- like short weeks. And so I, I'm assuming it was tactical because we never really heard that Jorginho was injured, right? No, we didn't hear anything. And you Although know, Dublin I- saying Jorginho, Arteta said Jorginho was ill, which could have been the case. But even I- still, the fact that we can bring on these substitutes is, is awesome. And whether he was ill or not, and whether it was tactical or not, I do want to say this, and and this is in no way disrespectful to Jorginho. I think he's been far better than I think even, I, I will be the first to tell you my humble pie is cooking in the oven right now. And I'm if when we win the league, you will see my face covered in it, talking nothing but uh, superlatives for Jorginho. But my God, when Thomas... I mean, I thought that it wasn't until the 70, 70th minute that we really began to nail them. But then I rewatched the game. We were doing the Olays at the 55th minute. It was ridiculous. The the transformation of the team just from one player. And it, this also gets me excited for Jesus coming back because sometimes just, you know, our recency bias lets us forget how great these players are and. Thomas Partey, take a bow because that was a demolition job. I've I've not seen many things like that where he came on the pitch and we were already good, but we were untouchable the moment he kicked the ball. It's the the, the Tom Canton said when we signed Partey, like the day we signed him. He is a player that will not change your team. He'll revolutionize your team. Like he is that type of player who will make the biggest difference. And I didn't see it for a long time, but I think it was him adjusting to the Premier League. I think now that he's got his feet under him, he's had a pretty shitty beginning of the season. We don't know what happened. You know, I think if he had done what he did, he'd be in jail. Right. I don't know. And I don't, you know, it's not for us to say, I know that he just had injury and a close friend die. So for him to come back and perform the way he just performed is incredible. And he is a catalyst to us winning the title. We are a completely different team when he is on the pitch. I know how angry you were with the Jorginho transfer (laughs) and not specifically to you alone, but to like everyone else who had that initial reaction of like, great, another Chelsea player. I'm more than happy he is proving everyone wrong because it makes Arsenal better. I'm sure you are too, right? Hey, prove me wrong if we lift a a title or we get Champions League football. Like for me this season, it's been, I don't want to win the championship. I want to compete. I want to be in the conversation and I want to be in the mix. And that's what we're doing. To add a player of his caliber on and off the pitch, Jorginho, he's been unbelievable the last couple of weeks, right? But his role, Aston, no, like credit where credit's due. He's plugged in for a player that we have the highest expectations for. And we really didn't skip a beat, right? Like there was a little hiccup, but ultimately like it wasn't like, oh shit, Partey's out. We have right. Sambi right. subbing in. Like you're like, okay, like he's I, I buying think, in. I think the argument, and, and I want to be clear because I, I want people to kind of understand the, the little bit of nuance here. Is I don't think anybody argued that Jorginho because Jorginho is clearly better than El Nene. I don't think anybody going into that to that um, to 
to that transfer thought Jorginho doesn't immediately come in above Sambi Lakanga, come in above El Nene. But I think what you saw against Everton is what we were looking for in a transfer was a midfielder to push Partey, to be on the level or even beyond Partey, and to so that we could and this is the and this is the big if that we still haven't covered yet. We want to win the league. Now, is Jorginho a great signing if you're trying to make top four and you want to make sure everything's, you know, just copacetic and you he, he's a he's perfect. And I think that he he's plug and play. He's got great leadership ability. But I think that what we were looking for was, can we get a player that can push parte? And does Jorginho do that? Absolutely not. But if we win the league, it means that they would have made the right call and that the gamble paid off and that they've done enough. And at the end of the day, if they win the league, you can't question their decisions, right? Like right. you can't. I mean, you can and you can't, right? Because you can question the decision of, of Mudrick, right? Like how how get out of free jail card was that for us? Like, okay, granted he is at a Chelsea team right now that are all over the place. But when you see him at a hundred million and Trossard at what the 80 or the 30 that we've like that paid yeah. off. Right. Yeah. The Jorginho thing for me is okay. El Nini goes out. We needed cover. Obviously Arteta wanted him and he just, he slots in and you can say to a player like him, Hey, you just got to do this. And he ain't going to do more than that. He's just going to do that. Right. And that's what you, and that's what you want. And like, I get your, your whole, like, Chelsea experiment. He's old. He's not what we wanted. But then now, like we see the bigger picture, and we're like, okay, he's actually come to. Like, I don't give a shit if he never plays a another minute for Arsenal after this season. If he helps us accomplish our goals, right. for me, I'll remember him. And I, I like, I would jokingly say to Owen, the first three or four games, I legitimately forgot we had him on our team. It wasn't until the last match that I was like, oh, he's in the starting lineup again. Cool. Like every time I saw him in an Arsenal shirt, I'm like. <laughs> We signed, like, I forgot we signed, dude. And and so, like, to your point of, like, buying into the Arteta and, like, the Partey, I think it's really great that we have a player that we can trust. If you if I would have said to you, Alnini's hurt, Partey's out, we're going to put Sambi in, you're freaking out. If I say to you now, Alnini's out, Partey's going to have a rest, we're putting in Jorginho, you're like, okay. For right? the most part. For the most uh, part, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, unless we're playing like a United or a City or something. Yeah, for the most part. And, and that's the thing. I was a little worried about Everton um, because I do think that they have a very energetic um, midfield. And I think that's the one thing that you can say about Jorginho is he doesn't have the athleticism. But he, whether, whether you think he has all the skills of Partey or not, we were 2-0 up while he was on the pitch. And at the end of the day... This is a results-based business, okay? I can make all the analytics about the underlying stats, what he did. At the end of the day, he got the job done. And if, and honestly, I wish more of the, I guess, the talking heads out there were willing to give that sort of grace and space. Like, I think sometimes people get so entrenched on this idea that you must hold on to this opinion. And if I said Jorginho's crap, everything he do, does must be garbage. No, acknowledge... The way to have an opinion is to know what would need to happen for you to be wrong and clearly set that out ahead of time. Otherwise, you're just a reactionary and, and, and your your criticisms don't really hold a lot of weight. And, and I think that's what's important is that we make sure that our criticisms of Jorginho 
old Wade. And they don't right now because we're no. winning. And we're winning with him on the pitch. Not only are we winning, but he's contributing in a big, big way. And I just think that I, and I think that it's it would be criminal for us to undermine that. Even though I do want to, I did want to say Partey coming on, I could not believe what I was seeing. And and, and I think a lot of that free flowingness, you know, obviously it opened up a little bit because Everton needed a goal at that point, but that really leads to, uh, and by the way, it's not just Partey. Partey came on, Vieira came on, Tierney mm-hmm. came on, Smith Rowe came on, and Eddie and Ketia came on. What do you mean we're a team without depth? Right. What do you mean that we're a team that doesn't have a long enough uh, roster to make the Premier League? Those are all starting quality players that are coming on, uh, you know, halfway through the second half. And it shows. And we they would go on and get that next goal. That uh, that move for Odegaard? Whew. Trussard, who are you? Dude, I mean... What a pickup, by the way. I love Trussard. I, I, I do I really too. Do. Like, I had him in my fantasy team. I do like an NFL style one with some friends, and I had him in. And when he went on that like bust up with Brighton, I was like, I, I literally put him on my, like, I got to get him out of my team because he's not going to play. And I immediately, like, I swear to God, I was like, I would love to see him in an Arsenal shirt. So then, like, a month later, when we actually get him, he's incredible. And he is fit in perfectly. And to your point, those substitutions, you've missed a name out of those group of players that just started like training him with the kids. And that's Gabby Jesus. And mm-hmm. I don't look at it like who gets dropped for Jesus because he walks back into the lineup when he's fit. I don't see it as who's getting dropped. I see it as who gets rotated in and out of the squad because you could put a combination of Martinelli, Saka, Trossard, and Kedia in any of those forward Delicious. positions around Odegaard and, and even add Jesus into that rotation, and we look dangerous, right? And, like, it's only going to get better because now you're starting to hear rumblings of what could happen this summer with Declan Rice and us wanting another attacker, and it's like – we're going for the fucking blood. And I remember you told me like, Hey, I had a conversation with Stan Kroenke and he wants the champions league. Now that at the time was absurd. And now you look at it where you're like, they are making moves to create a better team. And we've always lacked off the bench, like dynamics, like dynamics. We've never had those players that you could sub on and go, they can change the game. Vieira has been a little bit slow, but again, he's new to the team. He's new to the, the league and he will come good, right? Like Sambi Laconga, I think we can all agree, probably not going to be an Arsenal player for much longer. Vieira is going to be an Arsenal player and he's going to, he's going to figure it out and get in. A um, couple people so- in the chat room have been asking about the shirt and no, you can't buy these, but you can get them for doing uh, a hell of a lot of community service. And so uh, Adidas reached out to me recently and it's for shit like this, right? So they were like, hey, you're doing a lot of community service with a guy named Mike Feinberg. It takes a lot to manage him and his Mm -hmm. shenanigans. And they're like, we feel like that is of the same breath of going out into the community. And and basically asked, and what I've done is I've kept Mike out of the community, if that makes sense. I've kept him off the streets and engaged in podcasts and 24-hour mm. podathons, which has probably saved up to 5,000 lives. 
Yeah, it, it's actually funny. Um, over the summer, people one of the things that we didn't really talk too much on the pod was um, Katie, the head of commu- the new head of communication, was talking to me. She's like, "Hey, listen, Aston, you're doing a lot of great things, but I see you're joining the the TGP podcast. You know, we already have Andy on there doing really, really great work. God's work. Make, God's make, work. Yeah, Sorry, yeah making Mike. making sure that Mike doesn't, you know, absolutely destroy us out there, but." Is this something that you're willing to take on knowing the heavy load that you already have with the community? Because I just don't want you to feel burnout from all the work that you'll have to put in with him, you know? And yeah. and, and I can't believe, honestly, it's been, what, seven seasons of this? Seven seasons you've been doing this? How, how do you manage? Do the shirt. And, like, it's funny because, like, a lot of people ask us, like, like, Canton, for example, he's getting his media career up and his credentials. And he said to me, how do you get the media credentials going into all these big events? And I said, it's kind of like Make-A-Wish Foundation. Hmm. You send a picture of Mike, you send some videos, and then they come back with whatever you need, you got, okay? So that's the answer to the question of how I got the shirt. It's community service by keeping Mike out off the streets. Well, this just, and I actually happened to, and I, I know that we're not going to get um, copyright stru- struck for this. I've talked to the Premier League. I actually got Leandro Trussard's uh, conversation um, with Mikel on the side while he was drinking a water uh, before Mikel subbed him out. He, he said this to Mikel. I'm even here with something. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm from around the way. I'm leaving with something. <laughs> Because it was literally his the last kick of the ball for Trussard to get that assist uh, uh, for um, Odegaard. And first of all, big up Captain Fantastic. Before the game, I was wondering who's going to get to 10 goals first. Obviously, now we know it was Saka, but then Martinelli passed him and Odegaard was right in the mix. He's now at nine. Um, he's had a couple of high profile misses recently. How much do you think that goal meant for his confidence? You know, I don't – he seems like the type of player who doesn't need to score for confidence, if that makes sense. Yeah, because like, he's so goddamn beautiful. He's like a Ken doll. Who needs, like, who really, needs goals when you're gorgeous? He really is. But, like, I see him in the similar mode of, like, an Ozil where, like, an assist is more than a goal to him, you know? like. Mm-hmm. But for me, like, I think in, like for Odegaard, if you watch that little special where they did, like, behind the football or whatever – I think for him, like being captain, being home, right? He always struggled to find that like team. But now, like, I mean, when you talk about player of the year, it's going to go to Holland, but he's going to be a close second. Like, you know what I mean? Like Holland will get it because of the statistics alone. But I think Odegaard is the reason why we have pushed on to win the title on and off the pitch. He said to you, after that interview or during it, we want more than fourth. That is something that has bled down into the culture of this team. And that team culture has changed not only with Arteta, but with this man coming in full time, putting on that captain's armband. Right. And and the thing about Odegaard, and, and I don't mean that they are these players, but, but bear with me with this little bit of an analogy. Holland is a little bit of the Ronaldo where he's a little bit of a machine that just gets goals in, but Odegaard's got the messy where he does things on a pitch that you just, you just giggle. 
you just smile and laugh and you just you can't do anything but like drink your raise your beer and celebrate like that slide tackle I literally saw a Wobi soul leave his body as he <laughs> yeah. witnessed the most elegant slide tackle I think the uh, Premier League has ever seen. And did you know, after that, we had like 22 passes later, and then you have Inkedia's goal. And I just, I, I just, I don't even know, I don't have words for what he does on the pitch anymore. It's just, I, can you explain what, the, like, how did he do that? How, how did he actually do that? I don't know. I, I'm so fucking happy. Ooh, the highlights actually are of that game are on ESPN right now. I, they just literally showed that. I, I have no idea. I mean, the kid is just magic, and I'm so happy that he is our magic, right? I mean, he's bounced around so many different teams. Uh, it's just insane. Yeah, and, and I love it when we, we come unstuck, and I, I think that – you know, when it comes to Eddie and Kedia, because obviously it's Eddie's assist for the Martinelli goal at the end, I, I think sometimes, and I get a little frustrated when we allow a lot of old narratives to play, has Eddie and Kedia been to the levels that he was at the beginning of the World Cup, um, post-World Cup period? Absolutely not. But I think what goes under the radar is he's played every minute until that Leicester game. And so it's almost like you're seeing him revitalized again because Eddie and Kedia came on for Leandro Trussard and I did not notice a drop in levels. And that goes for every player. Matter of fact, Vieira in that Jaka role, you know, Arteta said something really interesting at the end of the game. I don't know if you, you, you caught this, but um, uh, it wasn't, was it James Benj? I don't know who asked the question, but somebody uh, brought up because Arteta talked about chemistry across the team and said Martinelli and Vieira have a lot of chemistry. And he goes, we haven't been able to see that chemistry expressed on the pitch. And Arteta, which he normally doesn't do, interjects and says, you will see. You will see very soon. Because there's <laughs> something happening with Vieira. I, some of those passes, I I don't even understand. Like, I can't make words. That pass to Eddie and Ketty was Ozil-esque, you know, Birdcamp-esque. Name a player, he, he's doing it. And I'm so excited for what he can bring to the future, you know? I forget about him a lot because he doesn't feature all that much for us. And when he does, you don't see, we haven't seen. And like I said before, I think a lot of that is to do with the league coming in from a Spanish, you know, but like, yeah, I, you know what, man, it, it's, we have a luxury right now on the bench with all these players. Jaka is, transformed man i mean like unbelievable and i was gonna say it earlier when we we're talking about Partey, but like you got players like Partey who make jaka better because he doesn't have to track back and i know that sounds ridiculous because you want a player who does that but it's the same kind of with Vieira, right he is only going to get better when he's playing with these incredible players around him and like i'm excited to see kind of what we do against lisbon right because i think we could beat them with the change side, we beginning of the season, we were seeing a lot of staleness when we kind of went into the Europa League matches because Enkedia wasn't playing a lot, Vieira wasn't playing a lot, but I think that that will greatly improve over the next like couple weeks and we're going to need to rotate everyone. That's probably where Arteta is saying you will see it because we're going to have to see it, you know? Um, but, dude, there has been one consistent player for me this season that has just been explosive and that's Martinelli. And 
I wish he would have gotten a hat trick yesterday. It would have been so badass. But, dude, like, he's just unreal. Yeah, I mean, what is that? Four goals in the last three games. That's not even us counting all the assists that he's created. Uh, honestly, uh, we're going to get to the player of the month in a little bit. Honestly, he's got a huge shout from me. But I want to, I, I, um, before we we, we kind of move on, I, I do want to bring up, there's, there's been such a swagger about Arsenal. There's, there's, I think that it's unquestionable, unquestionable that we've been the best team in the league. The way that we've played, it's just, it's relentless at times, but you're starting to notice a lot the the cracks, like the the pundits. Everybody's it's really settling in that we're really the favorites for the league, and and that we're probably going to do it. And you're starting to hear it around the uh, around the bend. I, w- I want you to listen to this. I want and I want to hear what your thoughts are. Um, this is from Talksport. We all love a bit of luck now and then. Arsenal are having a huge amount of it just lately. And get this list, right? There was no Casemiro when they faced Man United. Casado and McAllister didn't play when the Gunners went to Brighton. Diaz was injured for Liverpool first half at the Emirates. No Kulishevsky for the North London derby at home. No Madison when they went to Leicester at the weekend. In injury time at Villa, an Arsenal shot hits the bar and goes in off the keeper. Whereas a Villa shot hits the bar, goes away to safety. No Bantancur when they went to Spurs. Paulinho will be suspended for Fulham when they meet a week on Sunday. And tonight is just that little bit too soon for Calvert-Lewin to return. Little things make big points. The joke's over now. No team deserves this much luck. It's ridiculous. Adrian Durham has had a (laughs) anti-Arsenal agenda for like 15 years. I mean, I used to listen to TalkSport religiously and then like it started to go down the whole clickbait and he would have the daily arsenal and he would, wouldn't stop it until we won a cup. And then when we won the first FA cup, he kept it going because it wasn't a real cup. And like, I think a lot of it is because that's what gets him the replays, the clicks, the, Hey, I'm going to stay current. He's when he's not talking about arsenal and he's just doing like his actual job because he did a lot of the talk sport coverage for the world cup he's phenomenal but he has that agenda and i know his wife is like a darhard gooner because people would call on him and be like you're just doing this and he's like my wife is a gooner i'm forced to watch the games in no sports aston can you win a championship without luck but at the end of the day he just has gone through and okay so who was the player he mentioned from Aston Villa being out and like that's why we won and then Paulinha being banned for the Fulham match? It's like we dude, haven't even played them yet. We haven't know? even played them yet, and we could lose. Like Casemiro knew that he shouldn't have gotten a yellow card. He could have done better. It's like at the end of the day, we haven't been lucky. We've been destroying teams and playing them off the pitch. Now I'm assuming Darren Bent went to the aid of Arsenal in that clip because he's a gooner, right? But like. I'm sorry, but like if you listen to any, like I listen every week to um, the football ramble and all those guys on there say the same thing. There's been one consistent team this season and it has been Arsenal. And, uh, and I said it before, aside from that Man City game, there's been maybe 30 minutes of football across this entire season where we have not deserved to be in the lead or have won the game. And I want to say United, right? When we got beat, they just played us off the park and they capitalized on our weakness. So you need luck, but okay, the Martin, the Emil Martinez thing, that's the luck you're looking for. You know, 
VAR going our way. You, you, you're not going to mention that, Adrian, how we got fucking duped. We could be seven points clear right now, but the referees fucked up at Brentford, so we lost two points to no fault of our own. Right, a guy literally got fired over that. You know what's interesting? I'm gonna throw. I'm gonna. I'm gonna throw everyone for a loop. I love it. I love you. No, it, it, because it, it, he's. They're so clearly coping. You are coping because Arsenal are the best team in the league, and it drives you mad. Mikel Arteta lives rent free in your tiny little brain. That that I don't even understand how you're able to like walk and like chew gum at the same time. With takes just as brain dead is that and it's coming it's coming home and you're already trying to figure out how you can ignore it how you can say oh it's not a real you know um this is a this is a season where all the teams were weak and arsenal got lucky look at all these things that went their way or you know whatever excuse you want to pile on now it's okay baby because it tells me we're back you're not bantering us anymore. You're not you, making yeah. jokes about us anymore. You're you're terrified of us. And long may it continue because at the end of the day, um, Andy, this is a fun little stat I I, I love to I want to bring up. He wasn't right here. saying that when um Lester won the title, right? Look at this. Yeah, these are the these are the young uh, the players 21 and under, the top scores in the top five leagues. Four of them are contracted to Arsenal. Yep. The future is bright. I don't know how we fell into this, but all we need to do is convince Musiala to come and we can get a whole set. I mean, this is ridiculous. The amount of talent that we're able, that we hoarded, and we didn't do it the City way. We didn't do it the Chelsea way. We didn't wait for them to get all these plaudits and purchase them. No, we bred them here at Hale End. All right. You know, this is this is the same thing as remember um, when uh, La Masia had that golden generation. It's happening. So I just want everybody just to take a step back and enjoy every little bit of it. Enjoy all of our uh, all our rival fans coping for us. Enjoy that you're seeing something that will only happen once, like every four or five decades, where you get this much talent coming out of our academy, and and just enjoy the birth of a new Arsenal era. So it's interesting because if you think about like the landscape of the rest of the season, right? Like at this point, it's hard to throw, it's hard to not say Manchester United aren't in the title hunt because they're statistically and playing well, right? Outside of Tottenham and maybe Newcastle because they're still in with a shout. If you're a neutral football fan, you don't want City to win the title. At a certain point, United are not going to be in the race. They don't want City to win the title. I don't know At how certain... much. I don't so... know how much um, um, of the fan stuff, the YouTube stuff you watch, but it's been really funny watching like Matisse from Chelsea or Abby from Tottenham all cheering on Manchester City, which you know they hate. You exactly, know they hate. they're only doing it because, and like I get the narrative of the of the media, like, and and it's to our own fault. Arsenal players bite. Everyone, every Arsenal fan is a trout. Whenever something like that is is put out, we all bite, right? And so the media are going to have a fucking field day if come May we aren't crowned champions. But I think Arsenal fans, while upset, will take a step back and go, as you just said, holy shit, put the sunglasses on because it is bright. 
and we are going to be a force and we are going to be in that, 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 uh, that, that world of like, Hey, we're going to compete. And you cannot tell me for a minute that we are having a lesser type season because five or six teams haven't fallen off and had shitty seasons. The only team you could legitimately say that about is Chelsea. But how many Spurs? points did Leicester score to win the league? What did they hit eighty? Yeah, somewhere around there. But I'm just like, the it, it is, is very likely there. that we're going to get over ninety points. We're definitely probably going to beat our our highest total of eighty three that we haven't had since like two thousand seven, two thousand eight. You cannot look at a team that is getting over eighty points with an average age of like twenty three. Like that's insane. That's insanity. Like yeah. the only reason why we may not win the league is because we're dealing with what is like, we could score 96 points and not win the league this year because of what Manchester city is. That's no, that's nothing to be ashamed of. You know what no, I mean? I mean, we'll celebrate it in a year or two when they finally get their, their up, you know, ban. And, and then we we're crowned champions, but <laughs> you know, for me, it's like, we're not going out there and making these massive signings of like a Holland type character. We're going out there and finding pieces to the puzzle that fit. We're finding um, like Zinchenko, Jesus, Jorginho. You're bringing in players who have a winning mentality, who have hoisted trophies at every level and they know what it takes to go to that next step. We're so young that we're now bringing in players like Trossard, Jorginho, um, that young Polish kid who probably won't feature much, but is going to be embedded around this like culture. But we're bringing in players who can add another dynamic, and that's what we need, right? We've always brought in players the last five or six seasons being like, this is the player that's going to finally bridge the gap. We don't look at that, that anymore. We're now bringing in players who plug the puzzle pieces, right? Yeah. Sorry, my kid wants pizza for dinner and just asked me to remember that. So. I, I would I would like some pizza. Dude, with this like stomach thing I got, this bacterial, I can't eat pizza. It sucks. I, I You know, I actually, so pizza was one of the first foods I had to swear off if I had any hope of staying, like, not blowing up. Because there was a period after college I was just going up and up and up. And pizza kills you, man. But it's so good. It is, but, like... I just, you know, I got to take a couple months off. Plus, we all got to now catch up with fucking wait, 30 Waste uh, Feinberg, who's, like, dropped 150 well, yeah, pounds. Yeah, I, and, it, like, I'm going to be so mad when he's skittier than me by his birthday, and I'm I'm just sitting here just Dude, like, his birthday's next week. I know. I know. I'm I'm ready for him to be skinnier than me because I Are I you going to – he and I talked yesterday. We've been talking because we're planning, but it's my 40th next week and his 50th. So I said to him, like, hey, after next week, we're going to be together for a while. So I was like, we should plan, like, a nice dinner or something if you're capable of, like, getting down and you have the free time. I was even going to suggest to Mike, we'll take this offline, but, like, instead of going out to eat somewhere fancy, just bring a private chef to the house. It's the same cost, and we can just chill and, like – Pool. We, could, we we could put we could put up ridiculous movies. We could watch uh, the Invincible season. I don't know yeah. whatever Arsenal people do, but it'll yeah. it, it'll be it'll be great. It'll listen. Trust me. You're the you're also. Um, I'm I'm. By the way, official announcement. I'm buying the tickets to Chicago this weekend. 
you will be at Gooner Palooza. And it's nice. I'm slowly, I'm meeting everybody in person and I'm so hyped for it. But speaking of something delicious, by the way, we were talking about pizza. You know what? what's really delicious? The gift that keeps on giving. What is happening with their manager? Is he like sick <laughs> or is he just refusing to show up? I don't, like, I don't know. I don't like, did know. You, did you hear one of their scouts got fired because he listed off all the players they were looking at on like Colombian television? And he really? Just got fired. That's that's uh, there's something you know, and and I and I continue to say this, like, and, and I mean no disrespect because, like, listen, I know it's rough being a Tottenham fan. You don't need me to make it worse for you, but the reality is, is you will never be mentioned on television again. The only reason why you were ever brought up was because there was a brief period of time when you guys were exceeding us in the league, and therefore the media used you as a stick to beat us with. That is your only purpose in life. Once you are no longer better than us, once we 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 return to form, no one will talk about you because can you believe like you're out of the FA Cup? Like that was your only chance at silverware. Like, where's Conte gonna go now? You ain't winning the Champions League. So what do you what do you do? What do you like? That team is so dead, and I'm I'm here for it. I I am, I am here for it. I I think Harry Kane has to leave, right? I mean, like, let's be real. If he wasn't a Spurs player, and he didn't come through our academy, we would be dying for a player of his like ability and his natural gift. If I'm him. And, like, I could see him probably making a move to United if you stay within the league because they're the one team that, aside from Rashford, who is probably a better left-sided player, like, he would slot in because they need a striker. But, like, you hear a lot of rumors about Bayern. But, like, you know, if I'm if I'm Tottenham and I lose him and Son, you fucked. And, if and like, if I'm... Barcelona or Real Madrid, and I've said this a lot, and you're financially strapped. Why would you not go and buy Sun for 70 million? Because you're going to sell that many jerseys in South Korea in a week. And I know that Holt doesn't like the jerseys don't translate back, but like the brand and image rights that come with him that you're going to make off of that, that fee. And like, if I'm a Spurs supporter and I'm not putting my Arsenal hat on now, like I'm worried because their football is terrible to watch. They're aside from those two players, they have nothing else really. I mean, they don't have like anyone coming up where you're like us, where you're looking at like our youth and you're like, Oh shit. Like Liverpool this season, right They're They've hit a patch. They're still within reach of the top four and they've got ballers on their team. They just need to figure something out. Right. right, they get once they get past their little injury crisis. I mean, it does go a bit under the radar that like they've been missing like five attacking players all season. Totally. So like, but when your Spurs, they've been healthy. They've just been shit, and like, I want to celebrate it, like everyone else. And I don't think they'll make Champions League, but it just makes me laugh. It's like, where the fuck is Conte? Like, dude is seriously just like, hey, I'm not. He's like Mike. He just doesn't show up to work when we when we say we're gonna pod. Yeah. Well. <laughs> oh, Mike. Hey. To be fair, Mike's been on the on the pod uh, with me. Probably. Actually, you. You're the one that's on the pod the least. No, hers. I pod more than hers. 
I, I don't think so. I think hers has been on two pods this year. I've been on more than two pods this year. Have you? No, yeah. I'm kidding. But, but, I, but, but to your point about Spurs being a dead club, and this is the difference is if Conte leaves, who are you going to get? And we said this going into back when they said they won the summer transfer market, right? We looked at those players and we said, if you don't win a trophy, if those players don't come in and immediately make you better, then you guys are screwed because you bought a bunch of post-prime players that are going to be dead wages on your books. Like, who's buying Perisic after Spurs? Who, who's buying these players? The only young, the only hope, the only good player that you have that could be scooped out of that team um, that, that you would say is promising is Kulishevsky, uh, right? Like, obviously, you would take Kane, but Kane's got his own thing going on. He's he's priced out of being able to really make a move to most places. Uh, Son fell off a cliff this year. So, really, you've got one good player. And you know what? Like I said, you always you, there's always a regression to the mean, and Spurs are always going to regress to where they are. And as as we always say around these parts around the Arsenal, find the gap. Yeah, you know Christian Romero is that his name? I, I yeah. would take him. He's got a level of shithousery that I love. Um, just, just, I, to, to, just to like this is how little Mike thinks of us. Okay. He texted us 15 minutes ago, 20 minutes ago. This has turned out to actually be entertaining. Good job, guys. I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Son of a bitch. He, he never believed in us. He's like my dad. <laughs> he does ask us to call him daddy. So Yeah, but that's, are... that's, usually, that's usually when he's wearing a lot of leather. Uh, let's not get into this here. This is for an after-hours podcast. If you're interested in this content, remember, the Gooners Pod will be opening our OnlyFans soon. Um, real quick, because we do have to wrap up. It has been we about do. an hour. I do uh, kind of want to get out of here. Uh, you don't dribble on like other pod potters that we have. Like literally own. and figuratively dribble. <laughs> <laughs> I, have to, I have to ask you, we've had a up and down February, right? I really want to know your favorite, uh, your favorite goal, your favorite play, um, player of the month, and, um, you know, best moment of the month. Let's wrap. Let, let, let's wrap up. Uh, I can actually answer nice two of those in one. Best moment of the month and best goal of the month has to be Martinez's own goal. Mm-hmm. Um, not only because of what it did to kind of reboot and kickstart like our our little like soft patch, which we knew we were going to have, but it couldn't have happened to a nicer guy who isn't over Arsenal yet. So that's fantastic. Um, and then I think my man of the like player of the month has got to be I, Zinchenko. Um, he plays where he wants. He plays. He where he plays. Wants. You know, Alex it's Zinchenko. Not, he plays where he wants. It's not just that, but it's like he never gets caught out of position. Now, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of like credit that goes to Partey and Jaka because of that, because they they drop back and they cover him. But I would say for me, it's got to be Zinchenko. And you ready for me to fuck you up real quick? Hold on, I just want to say I love the fact that we've got like six or seven players we could choose from. Yeah, it, it's great. And the thing is, is you had six or seven players that could possibly fill that. And on Black History Month, you don't pick Sokka. Wow. <laughs> Out of here. Like, I, you know, I'm just I'm not saying that the reason I'm on this podcast was because everybody had a lot of uh, racist comments about you guys saying that you guys were wearing tiki torches, one podcast. I don't know. I don't know what was happening, but I was sent here. 
for the diversity and inclusion and and to the uh, DEI. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We're we're done. We're done. We're done. We're the show's canceled. I'm dude. We've got we've got a black dude. We've got a Mexican dude. We've got a Hobbit. We've got a Jewish dude. You know, and then you got me and Jared, who are the outliers. I mean, I'm an immigrant. So, you know, Jared's really the 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 real like hey questionable guy in the group, but we're it a pretty is. diverse group of peeps. For some reason he was just like, I really don't like Partey and Sokka, and I can't figure out why. <laughs> and I was just like, what's going on? <laughs> okay, stop. Jared's a wonderful person. If any it's so funny. Was Jared the guy I... in our group that said that uh it should be everyone's history month? <laughs> it's the worst because out of the entire podcast jared is probably the least cancelable guy yeah. like he, he's really just... if people could see the behind the curtains of how much we abuse hers for being mexican it would just, like it's it's bad I, I, for for about three months i thought his name was really mexamite like I, I thought that was his actual name, and then somebody told me no, it's it, it's just Mike, and I was like, oh, I thought I thought that was you know his mom heritage, whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, let's that's that's a great place to end the show. Um, I, um, you said your player of the month is going to be uh, Zinchenko. I think that's a really great shout. I think Zinchenko. Uh, I think that you know you. If a player wants to go, you let him go. But at the same time, you don't sell players to your rivals. and You definitely do not send a player who has dreamed of playing for his favorite team of that caliber to a rival. Because there's too much that just went right for Zinchenko at Arsenal. And I think it's a little bit of arrogance coming from City that to even let him go. And Dude, you know at what? At the time City sold him to us, we weren't a rival. Let's be real. Like at the <laughs> time that we took him, they were like, yeah, you could go to Arsenal. Like, that's the one thing you got to credit Pep for, right? Like when a player gets on his bad side, he'll sell him. No matter how good he is, he'll sell him. When a player yeah. comes to him and has been a great, like tenured athlete and says like, Hey, I want to go. He won't say no. And that now granted, he would probably say no, if it was United or someone else. But at the time that we took those two players, we weren't rivals and hand on hard ass. And like when we took Zinchenko and Jesus, were you really thinking like, Oh fuck, this is it. We're going to win the league. No one thought that. I, I thought that and call me naive, call me naive. I didn't say we were going to win the league. But for the longest time, and I said this, remember um, last season, pre-Norwich game, I was talking about why I still I still backed Arteta, and I think that there's something going on underneath. And as a statistics guy, I've been watching our metrics just grow and grow and grow. And I had a really good feeling about, um, about Zinchenko and, well, mainly Jesus. I had a really good feeling about Jesus and how he was going to fit in up top. But uh, I didn't think Zinchenko was going to be this good. And I did not know that he was going to play in the right half space, you know, sometimes. Like, I didn't know what he was, but I didn't, you know. I I, I actually, for, for as much as people think that I criticize Edu and our transfer, I'm actually very, very proud of Edu and the scouting work that he's done and our reliance on analytics. A lot of people don't know that the reason why Edu came in and when he um, fired all those scouts, it was because he wanted to be more analytics based. He didn't want to do like Arsenal had bought stat DNA and almost let them go to the wayside under uh, Sinelli's. How do you say his name? 
Sinyali, Sinyali, whatever. But we had let it go to the wayside. And I love that Edu kind of came in and said immediately, shake it up, get the data going. And I've really backed these players. It's just sometimes I think uh, I think that we aren't as good at maybe getting the, the, the contract part, the actual part of like, okay, we need to get this deal done, done. I think that's probably our weakness and, and our timeliness with that stuff. But overall, I don't think you can about edu but yeah i guess back to your original point no i i guess i can't say that i thought we were going to win the league but i thought we were for sure going to be in the top four yeah i would i think two, top three or two for real started to see we'd have to go back and look at like our predictions right but like ultimately i think at the time we knew something was was coming i don't think we expected it this quick and that's why I don't foresee this season being a failure if we don't win the title because it's not like we're 15 points ahead and we're going to lose that. Like Man City are still in reach and anything can happen. But I'm still under the illusion, and I think Edu, Arteta, and the Cronkies are as well, like top four was this year's goal. Yeah, that for and, sure. And you've got to stay true to those visions. Now – you know, we saw last year in January that we needed a striker and we didn't make the move and that ultimately lost us Champions League. And then this year we made the right moves for the right pieces we needed at the time. And we're only going to get better when number nine returns and I'm excited for it. And and I think that and I think that excitement that's right over the corner. We managed to navigate this tricky, sticky period without our Lord and Savior, Gabby Jesus. And uh, I think this time, Andy, Arsenal are the real deal. And long may it continue. Uh, everybody, just so you know, uh, if, if and when we do win the league, I expect everybody in London for that parade because it's going to be a banger. All right. Till next time, everybody. This has been the TGP podcast. TGP out. <laughs>